cranial structure was based on 30 pins and fastened by micro panels and bits of bone from the mandible. And it appears that the cartilage grafts have maintained your cheek structure. Unfortunately, because you were in a coma... Doctors, media their power is in jargon. So you study up. Is that the procedure for all bilateral periorbital hematomas in a Lefort 3 fracture of a comatose patient? In a Lefort 3? You do your best. Absolutely. The potential for intracranial brain damage was too great. And beyond the cheek grafts, Dr. Pomerantz, are the pins fastened with any kind of aluminum which could ionize and cause that pressure in my head? Because I'm ready for another operation. Yes, we are working on processes, but it, you're specifically not at the stage where we can experiment. A facial prosthetic. The aesthetic replacement does work, emotionally and actually. And the plastic in the aesthetic shield also blocks out abusive rays and assists in the regeneration of cells. So it's an aesthetic regenerative shield? That's correct. Exactly. And the ergonomics of the plate barrier allows it to interact reflexively with the movements of your own face. I see. It's uh, a helpful unit. Good. Because for a minute there, I thought we were talking about a fucking mask! It's only a mask. If you treat it that way. Oh, no. It's great. This completely takes care of Halloween. But what about the other 364 days of the year?
welcome back. Uh, good news. This is a, a broadcast of positivity um, and hopefulness and peace. Uh, and I'll get into why I think this concept of Logos rising is so powerful and at the same time peaceful. But first, I just want to share that I've had the chance to connect on video calls with a number of friends and family over the last week. And uh, almost without exception, the prevailing wisdom is like 10 more days. We're gonna, we've got flights planned, school's going back. We're gonna go visit clients. I've got a job prospect, like all of this. Um, and while I like hopefulness and positivity, I just don't quite see it that way. I, I, don't, I don't see how uh, obedience to our current systems and the current ridiculousness is ever going to get us anything that we want to put our kids, a world that we want to raise our kids into. I really don't think, um, I don't think until we take our freedoms back in some form of self-governance um, and expose the manipulations going on, I, I, I can't see, I mean, this idea of, okay, we've, we've endured it now, let's go back. I, I really don't like this penalty box kind of idea. We can go back to playing now. <laughs> I really don't I really don't see it. I think it's a form of mockery and, um, and manipulation, and it's been going on since mid-April, as far as I recall, maybe even before that. Maybe it was the end of March they started talking about that. But anyway... I am happy if some things return to some normal, but to, 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 to go back to your mindset, like you haven't just seen the hand of the manipulators, uh, that's, that's a bit disturbing to me. And I will also say, without exception, there's very few people in my circles, um, besides people I've connected through uh, some of these alternative channels, there's very few people in my real-life circles that have any outrage at all. Like, they've got maybe a few doubts and questions in the backs of their minds, but the outrage isn't isn't coming through. <laughs> but anyway, um, which is really the fuel for the change. So we'll, we'll just watch, but I, I want to focus on positivity. Uh, on this concept of Logos Rising, why I think it's so powerful and why I think it's so hopeful. Um... I'm, use, I'm, a, I'm pronouncing it Logos because that's what E. Michael Jones, Professor or Dr. E. Michael Jones, the author of the book, which I should get shortly, and I'll come back in about four weeks. He's from uh, with a more in-depth discussion on the history of Logos and the Logos of history, but he pronounces it Logos because he's from Philadelphia. So we'll, I'll just honor <laughs> honor his work by using his pronunciation. Jordan Peterson, his professor from U of T, that was like the rock star of the internet. He's also a clinical psychologist. He was the rock star of the YouTube in 2018. And uh, he wrote a book called Order Out of Chaos. And um, so his whole, his whole body of work led him towards the power of Logos. And he pronounces it Logos, but he's Canadian, so we'll, we'll, we'll give him that. <laughs> but, um, but, the amazing thing to me is that 
through all of my Catholic education because the concept is quite central in Christianity. Um, but all my Catholic education, all my teachers, all my coaches, all my uh, relatives, the this message never came through, what this concept really means. And I don't think that's an accident. Um, but even Peterson, who the, the crux of the matter, he definitely was was broadcasting really loud and clearly, uh, loudly and clearly and beautifully. But I really, and this could easily just be me, I could go back and watch his biblical lectures. He's like his, he, he kind of resonates with atheistic, atheistic Christians, I think is the expression they use. People that are non-religious, but they want to uh, take the, the uh, messages and the teachings from the Christian stories. So that, that's kind of, his biblical series was 100% non-religious, if you will. And I could probably go back and see all kinds of ways that the message about Logos was coming through and I was missing it, let's say. <laughs> but, I, but E. Michael Jones, um, he's the one that got this concept through to me now. And um, I'm sure I'll understand it a lot better once I read his book. But I want to share it. I want to share it because it's just given me so much peace and hope for what's actually happening right now and it's also like um, it's an ethos that that can help you know guide your behaviors and guide your conduct and so I, I want I think it's unbelievably powerful so I'll try and share why I think that and what it actually means and uh, and what its opposite looks like so uh, Peterson often said you know Two, 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 two messages. One is, like in clinical psychology, it's well known that if you're both in session with the best intentions for the client and you're pursuing that using truthful speech and, and precise articulation of the situation, positive outcomes will come out of that. So that, that's, that's one way of articulating Logos. And then the other, the opposite, that he often, often cited was the um, uh, Gulag Archipelago, uh, Solzhenitsyn. Um, he, like one of the major takeaways from that book, from that book, it was a three-volume book that now there's an abridged version on audiobook. But one of the takeaways was that once the culture of lying starts to permeate the society, it, it pathologizes society. And that's what happens with the, the Russian gulags. <clears throat> so if you're living by lies, you're heading straight to hell. And if you're living on truth, you're heading towards hope and peacefulness and, and growth. So let me try and articulate my little analogy that's helped drive the concept home, and then I'll try and explain why I've been bumping into this frustration <laughs> in my life in a whole bunch of different aspects, and um, and how it's being systematically annihilated. I mean, but it's it's you know it's it's the inner it's the the function of the universe is logos, and that's really the point that E. Michael Jones has been making. And so, you know, anybody that's trying to go against it is trying to go against the universe. So they're going to lose. But, it, but for, um, for certain time frames, it looks like Logos is losing. But anyway, let's, let's try and uh, articulate 
an example, and I'm going to just use traditional language, and I'm going to use father and son because, well, my first child was a son, but also um, it, it might help kind of resonate with some of the Christian stories as well. I'm not trying to leave anybody out. The, obviously, mother and daughter are, are have equal uh, contribution to the whole dynamic in the household, but I'm just going to use the, the father and son example because it's the language we're used to without going religious on it. <laughs> um, the idea, well, here's a few ideas. W one is that, well, my, my story is, is, I mean, in terms of hedonism and narcissism and self-absorption, I mean, I was, I was, when I look back, I was very way, way on the top of the charts in those belief systems. Not really deliberately, it's just sort of culture and society kind of led me to a very self-absorbed hedonistic existence until I met my wife who was equally you know in that in that same resonance and we get together and 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 we both were indifferent about children at the time because um, because you know the heat it might interfere with our hedonism <laughs> you know so you kind of get together and you're like wow this is great two self-absorbed narcissists we can we can like celebrate our hedonism together. This is really amazing, and uh, so you get together. But it, I'm, I'm I'm not denigrating our our uh, connection at all. We had an uh, amazing experience. But the point is that through a few a series of a few uh, experiences, we came to realize that like. Two years later, we really wanted a child. We didn't even know like where this came from, <laughs> but all of a sudden, like there's the void of not having a child was really obvious. Anyway, so then the baby comes along, and uh, and so the the golden boy, you know, the sun king, uh, he's the redeemer. He's the redeemer of all of this narcissism, self-absorption, materialism, uh, hedonism, because now. First of all, anybody that's had a baby, I'm sure you've had this experience. Like the divine light is just shining out of that child from, from day one, right? I mean, you've just brought this incredible burst of divinity. It's something beyond you that you can't even comprehend, but it's this like this incredible glow that that you know God is just sort of God in whatever whatever language you want to use, the creator or the universe or the higher power is just beaming out of this child, which is so humbling. And now you've got a meaningful purpose and you surrender to that. And, and so the child is the redeemer. The son becomes the redeemer of all of your self-absorption. And, uh, and everything seems small now. And all you want to do is, is set the pathway for this child to be all they can be. And so in the, the interesting part is that to me, sorry if this has been obvious to everybody else, but really it just dawned on me like a year ago that that in the in the way that the sun has been, you know, the universe has given birth to the sun, um, the sun gives birth to the father. The father now has a role. He's now a father. You know, it's a two-way street in, in a sense that, you know, this, the father is enabling the son and the son is enabling the father. And so now you've got this, and, and you've got to recognize that they both have equal access to the higher power, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call that. So if you, if you just assume that they both have divine light, 
and they're in this um, symbiotic relationship and um, and now you and you're surrendering to that you're surrendering to something bigger and so the you know the traditional fatherly kind of roles are like provider protector guide sometimes judge um, uh, wisdom experience all of these things and then the Sun is bringing this new fresh energy new eyes on the world new ideas they're a bit you know they're a bit naive they haven't experienced the world but in a, in a lot of ways that that in, that's enabling as well and they and really the younger you are probably the easier you have access to like divine insight and divine intelligence and those kinds of things so if you kind of recognize that you're both divine sparks you're equal at that level and you both have roles to play and then just like the psychotherapist session I mentioned earlier you um, surrender yourself to truthful speech so now you both want the best for each other and you want to do right in the world so truthful speech in a, like a collaborative dialogue that's ongoing that then eventually will produce right action in the world that's roughly <laughs> the story of logos now that all sounds nice right now how could anybody be against that this is really the question and this is the reason why I really wanted to talk about this this week too like this is the question that's just been burning on my mind for about a week I do I just don't understand the human urge to want to take freedoms away from another human I mean that aren't that isn't harming you that just doesn't doesn't compute for me if you uh, if you see a polar bear that's trapped in a zoo and looks depressed you feel that right you feel responsible for that and you also feel a little bit depressed for that so we're, we're like all in this shared reality and so the idea of wanting to get your neighbor oppressed I mean you're just oppressing yourself you're just caging yourself at the same time so I just don't comprehend how I guess that's a two-way street I can't comprehend how one human wants to ensnare another and I for like that's not harming them and I can't comprehend how people seeing someone who's really really free how that's not uplifting they don't see that as you know somebody's free and they're being all they can be you know how that they don't see that that's like uplifting <laughs> their existence so if you if you think of these in two two different terms truthful speech in a collaborative dialogue where you've got some kind of role with one another I mean the role is less important but typically you come together with a certain role definition um, that wants to produce right action in the world that's aligned with the universe that's creative that's the creative force of the universe anti logos is its opposite so it's narcissism manipulation um, uh, hedonism anything that is parasitic in nature so the example uh, dr. Jones is constantly giving is like you've got two choices it's really black and white and to me this is just this is like the unified field theory of human existence and I, that's why I've got such high expectations for this book you can surrender to logos which is the natural 
function of the universe, or you can try, and, and then you're going to be producing growth and rightful action and, and progress. Or you can try and resist that, and you can head towards a vampiric consciousness, uh, you know, uh, Dracula or Parasite or Narcissist, and try and steal that Logos growth energy from others. I mean, it's so obvious that, that the anti-Logos is not sustainable. And so right now what we're seeing is the anti-Logos is just like... So, okay, here's an, here's an example of how we've lost our minds. Well, let me, do, let me just give examples of all the ways that our Western society is built on Logos. Uh, I guess you could say free free press is, is one example, but juries, jury trial, okay? You've got a, like a 12-person jury. You, ju you assume that they all have access to their own higher power, their own abilities to reason, and, um, and then they have truthful speech and they want the best outcome for society. So they get together in a 12-person jury and they deliberate, <clears throat> and that's completely based on Logos. It, those people all just are trying to serve that function. Same thing with the Supreme Court. Uh, same thing with, you know, uh, uh, lawyer-client. Those two are coming together to get the facts and the truth on the table and, and manage the best outcome. Um, uh, and on and on it goes. So the whole, the whole Western society, voting. Voting is based that, you know, that the, the electorate is um, have access to reason, judgment. If you give them the right information, they're going to make reason, judgment, and they're going to vote the best person to, to move things forward or to help facilitate that. Anyway, the whole thing is based on uh, is based on logos. And here we and we all know, like this is what I I just can't comprehend how this is happening. We all know, like I, I most of us have technical backgrounds at one time or another. So in my early days, when I was an engineer. If I decided that I was going to make a declaration or in my expertise, whatever it might be, let's say um, systems planning for cellular systems in Toronto, okay, and I decide to write a three-page white paper on what the standard should be on systems planning for cellular systems in Toronto. Well, first of all, there'd be 20 experts with, more, with better credentials and more experience than me at that time. Second of all, that paper would not be worth anything until it got challenged and reviewed and enhanced. Maybe the core proposal would, would stand, but there'd be enhancements and tweaks and improvements and challenging assumptions and all these other things, right? With a, with a, a jury of your peers. And so like handpicking <laughs> the most corrupt quote unquote scientist, uh, who's clearly in bed with the government and government funding, and, and treating their declarations as if they're coming from like, what do you call that? The, uh, when the Pope makes a declaration, it's, it's, it's unchallengeable. You've anointed this person as the voice on the whole thing. Like how can anyone, I don't care what side of this craziness you come down on, how can you take the word of one scientist unchallenged that is obviously in bed with, with you know, the, the government funding? They're obviously corrupted, or at least biased, let's say biased. <laughs> it's an anti-Logos mentality. I mean, we've, we've just lost track of 
the idea that you know a, a, a position is no good until it's been challenged by by a jury of peers and 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 until you get like the descending opinions and and some kind of resolution across peers that are in the same level of credentials and then you can use your own reason judgment to decide if that makes sense to you uh, you're just you're just like some kind of blind faith in the anointed one it's it's exactly like the new priesthood um, where this scientist has been anointed the new pope sitting on the infallible chair I this is why logos rising is so powerful because it just can't last it's just so obvious um, people have lost people have been fooled they've been fooled uh, against their own ability to reason against their own access to their higher power uh, their own access to divine intelligence and they've surrendered all of that higher meaning kind of channel and they've been tricked into only reason and logic and when you're down in in that material world only exclusively you can easily be manipulated through like that problem reaction solution mentality to just to just take what you're given and if you do that enough over time you even forget you have any any uh, capacity for your own reason your own judgment and your own ability to articulate your own position so there's no possible way in my in my opinion and this is this is why um, Michael Jones is so promising He's just like they've overplayed their hand. They've gone anti-logos so um, blatantly that people are gonna, people are talking. People that have never talked before are, are gonna speak out, and um, and they're gonna demand some uh, checks and balances on this whole craziness. And once that happens, once people get back in touch with their own ability, and 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 that the, that logos has been lost, um, you can't. You can't put that baby back in the bottle. It's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna, it's the it's the force of the universe. So it's just like the anti-logos movement has overplayed their hand, and they're gonna force people to get it back in touch with their own their own access to those powers, if you will. So it's I'm, I guess maybe I didn't quite marry those two. There's there's reason judgment that's based in fact and logic in the material world but then there's your own ability to access your own higher power and your own judgment and meaning and does this make sense in my experience you marry those two together with truthful speech you will get right action out of that if it's done properly so collaborative dialogue I mean product design teams is my professional experience and that's what the whole thing Core teams are completely based on this concept that everybody comes from their dif different discipline and everybody wants the best for the product and for the company. And they come into these collaborative sessions and everybody speaks their perspective and they debate and the outcomes, I mean, it's predicated on the fact that the outcome, you can't get better outcomes than that as long as the, pro the collaborative process is in place. And you have the gate reviews, which is another level of, of collaborative um, oversight committees and that's the best way to manage your product portfolio so it's just like on and on and on and on so that's like the fundamental central it, it uh, according to Michael Jones it began in Greece Greece stumbled on this 
this line of thinking, Logos. And they had language for it, and they, they believed in it like 800 years before Christianity ever came along. But then through this whole, you know, Trinity language that I was using earlier, Christianity gave it a gave it this boost and spread around the around the world. Some people never had the chance. Some religions and some countries just never got exposed to Christianity or I mean the fundamental teachings, it doesn't matter about the religion. I'm just saying the fundamental teachings. Um, and then others rejected it. And so you can uh, you can look at different communities and the new age and different religions and you can see relative to Logos where they're at. Like did they did they never get it or did they reject it and they have they dedicated their existence to rejecting the concept? Um, so this so in terms of my own like professional frustrations, I've been trying so hard for since 20, 2009, maybe even before that really, um, to pr promote collaborative cross-functional core teams and collaborative dialogues in the Gulf, in the Arab Gulf, the Persian Gulf. And really, uh, uh, it, it, it takes off in some pockets. But as a general rule, it's a very difficult concept to get across because they, they don't have that fundamental underlying belief, generally. That's what I'm guessing. I mean, I'm guessing that's where it's coming from. In Africa, I, I had an experience in Africa from... Uh, like 2006 to 2009 and uh, there was a lot more traction around the concept they still had don't get me wrong they still had their biases against the concept and their hierarchy and corrupt not really corrupt but authoritarian hierarchy behind so sometimes they're just going through the motions but it was it was a little bit easier and i can't really get under what all what all the of the resistance is but it, i i think to me, <laughs> the opposite of Logos is narcissism. And narcissism is parasitic. It's vampiric. And so when you see... So, when, so the narcissist is threatened by the collaborative, truthful speech and, and hope and progress for all. You know, that's really what the whole thing, rightful action for everybody. That, that scares the narcissist half to death. They, they're, they're like a parasitic consciousness that's trying to suck the life out of the access to Logos, truthful speech, and higher power. Whenever anybody is going against the concept, that's their inner narcissist. Maybe they've, they think they've got the career track, or maybe they, they're threatened because they thought they had some authority over the, over the conversation or over the outcome or what, what have you. But there's definitely different levels of awareness. And here's one of the most hopeful points that uh, Michael Jones has been making, that once you can explain it properly, you, you know, the insight can, like in a snap, you can snap. He, he, he did a presentation in Warsaw, uh, Poland, on how um, uh, sexual liberation can be, is, constantly being used as a tool of political control. And he said that in Poland, because of their history, they are very, very aware of the machinations of the manipulators, the cultural manipulators. And so all he had to do was give that presentation and 
aligned forces with the church there, and they were able to reverse a lot of political manipulations that were coming through under the guise of sexual liberation. Okay, I, I have the link to that talk he gave in Warsaw on the uh, on the podcast post. But he said, if you explain it properly, it's like light goes on. Boom. Um, and hearts and minds can open up immediately. And so he had a group, he threw this, and I guess in a, in a, in a strange, like, secondhand way, this is how I stumbled on him, but he got picked up by Owen Benjamin. Somehow Owen Benjamin discovered him and had him on there. Um, Owen Benjamin's a comedian, but he sort of got this, this guy's group a little bit like Rogan, but a smaller, smaller network of a tighter group, but uh, of the Bears. But anyway, he had Michael Jones on, and then Michael Jones like took off with, with these sort of younger guys, just like Peterson's kind of group, but a little bit harder core, I would say these guys are, generally. And so he's going on a bunch of different YouTubes, making his case for the p- power of Logos Rising, and one of those communities. He spoke and he explained how sexual liberation, quote unquote, you know, that kind of brand is being used as a tool of political control. So it's being used to just throw people off of progress, throw people off of truthful speech, throw people off of rightful action. And so he spoke to a group like that, and they were like 20-somethings. They all, they all knew they were lost. They all knew they weren't, they weren't anywhere near their potential. And boom, that's it. Once he explained that that's what's happening, boom, they were able to set themselves, get, get. I mean, they had porn addictions on their smartphones. They grew up with it. So they were immediately able to see it for what it was and uh, get back get back on track with their own, what, what, what does Peterson say? Like, shoulders back and <laughs> face the world and, and um, set your own house straight. That kind of mentality. So how does all this tie back into um, some of these Peterson concepts and some of what we're seeing today. I think this idea, one of them is, well, if you think about, if you think about Peterson's success and the reaction to that, like you had protesters and, I mean, online, the abuse and the resistance still to this day of people that have never even read one single word of his work or listened to one single minute of his lectures online, which is very easy to do. But they wanted to hate him. They wanted to hate Peterson for what they were told he stood for. And so I think that that's like the best personification of what where the anti-Logos... So are those people narcissists? In a way. In a way they are. Because I think what they're most afraid of is being held to account to their own value system. And what they want is they want to reinvent themselves every day. They want to they want to be one thing one day, one thing the next and have one set of values one day and one one set the next. And uh, that way nobody ever holds them to account and then they want to blame the world. They want to blame existence for their misery and they would be quite happy to head straight towards nihilism and and uh, some kind of doomsday scenario, which is obviously what we're experiencing. So people that have gone anti-Logos, those people are heading straight towards nihilism and they want to pull the, what's that expression? Pull the roof of the temple in on top of them. Um, And so when somebody comes along like Peterson with truthful speech and promise, they don't even want to hear one single word about that because that will disrupt 
that will the, sh the 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 mirror of that will make them look so petty and small and and childlike infant infantile and uh and so that's where the venom is coming from and so that's where the venom is coming from for people that are trying to speak truth around the virus i mean it's a religious it's like a blaspheme if you speak truth right now it's truth and facts uh, like i'm talking 95 percent of my facebook friends list are definitely anti-logos on this topic which makes me think that they've that they're they're nihilistic in in some ways and they don't want to see anyone spreading promise and hope and truth they would rather surrender their access to reason and judgment and rightful action they would rather surrender that in the name of doomsday and, and nihilism and it's everywhere uh, i really like this um well there's two kennedy quotes here actually one was this jfk quote that came out really early in this whole thing uh, ask not for easy lives ask to be stronger men <laughs> i really i think it's just perfectly fitting but at the beginning of the um the Chappaquiddick movie with Ted Kennedy, I think it might have been two or three years ago. He has his voiceover uh, with his Boston accent, which I can't do. But his voiceover said, um, was talking about his father. I mean, if you think about the Kennedys, I mean, that family, I know the father was, was a rum runner or a bootlegger, but, but that family produced like eight world beaters at least, right? Like presidential candidates, every single one of them. So I'd say they're, they're doing something right, and they've had the forces of anti-Logos after them. But the Kennedy quote was from his, his father. It was just beautiful. It was, uh, the father said to him one day, you know, Ted, uh, you, can, you can lead a serious life or a non-serious life. That's completely up to you. Uh, I just want you to know, if you lead a non-serious life, I won't have much time for you. <laughs> so basically, if you check out, you know, if you check out like these nihilists, the father's just saying, like, there's just no point. If you're if you're not aiming to improve the world in a public life, then, like, he's got no time for you. So, so I think that that's that's maybe the best way that the the light that shines through when you're doing collaborative, truthful speech for the greater good that makes like everybody that wants to check out and give up on life and give up on everything all hope. And they just want to hide in their corner and eat their Cheetos and watch their Netflix series. They run, they run from that. I mean, they just want to destroy it so badly, and that's what I'm experiencing online, on on my Facebook. And it's kind of interesting, you know, Peterson, JBP, John the Baptist. It's just I don't know. He almost served a John the Baptist type role to me, and I don't know if he was clearing the way for E. Michael Jones, but he's definitely clearing the way for that message. Um, and the John the Baptist story, if you remember, it ends with him, his head being handed to him on a silver platter, which to me is symbolic of the dark feminine chopping his, uh, well, it could be either his manhood or his, or his head, but he's, they're just chopping off your access to Logos, essentially. That's what the John the Baptist silver platter symbolism is to me. The dark feminine, silver is the, is the lunar lunar color and so the head on the platter is the dark feminine had just chopped you down and uh i don't know i mean i'm not i'm not saying i'm not saying there's a parallel to peterson's current strife but it's kind of an interesting uh, uh analogy
And so the last, I guess what I'd say, and any, every parent, I think, experiences this, and this is what is so powerful about having a family, it's humbling, right? When your kids start to bring insights into your life and, sh and kind of shine a light on your own inadequacies and your own inconsistencies, it's humbling. And that's what the narcissist runs away from with all their might. Um, and so if you're not ready to surrender this idea that you're, that you've got it all figured out, um, you're going to, you're going to take yourself towards a narcissistic existence, and, which leads towards a nihilistic existence. So I think it's this vulnerability and surrender. It's the uh, example that I had. I'll, I'll post the article, um, on Lord of the Flies, but it's a very, very similar that there's two sides of the island. And the guys that are left on the Logos side, there's like two guys left at the end. And uh, everybody else wants to go towards uh, the might is right narcissism kind of uh, chimp, alpha chimp mentality. Um, but of course, uh, the darkness of that is also also comes out in the film. Uh, the, other, the other analogy I like is the, the um, Plato's cave, right? So Plato's cave, everybody's quite happy to hide in a dark existence and think that shadow puppets is, is what life is all about. And then somebody is able to access uh, the universe, basically, the higher power and the promise and growth and sunlight and everything else. And they want to kill that person. They want to kill that person when they come and say, no, 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 there's, you know, there's more than shadow puppets. There's the real animals are up <laughs> outside of the cave and there's sunlight and nature and, you know. It's the same, uh, it's a very, very same analogy. Uh, Logos, to me, has brought a lot of hope and light, and it's also humbling because, you, you know, you have to surrender that the next answer could come from anywhere. Um, but it's waking up your access to your own divine intelligence and your ability to reason with others' views once people have their intentions aligned. So, um, so that's what I find so hopeful. That if the message and the power, and if you're able to see when somebody's going against Logos in your own household, uh, in your own business, in your own department, in your own profession, um, you can see the, the narcissism in that. And uh, anyway, I find it really, really hopeful that it's basically like a bounce. To me, it's like a bounce. It's like we've gotten so low and the controllers have gotten so obvious. They've shown their hand. They've overplayed their hand. And it's just going to cause, it's going to cause people to access these Logos faculties that we all have. And that's the fundamental building blocks of Western society. And somehow, on so many levels, it's been corrupted. You know, these peer reviews, PhDs and peer review, like, how is academia, like, on so many levels, in churches, so many levels of total corruption, um, in the direction of anti-Logos. So I hope that kind of gives you the message of hope that I was hoping for. And like I said, I'll have much more, much more depth on this topic once I, once I get through the book. It's nice to reconnect. I hope you enjoyed and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care.
glad we reconnected. Let's get the community rallied. You can join us at the website, synthesismeaning.me. The podcast history is there in the podcast section. Uh, we have a mail list. We have a Facebook group. All the information is there for around connecting. Um, and I will uh, get back to you next week uh, with follow-up, following my heart and truth. So thanks for joining us. Nice to be together again in this uh, post-apocalypse radio station. Take care.